All right, this morning we'll continue section two in our series, A Renewed Walk. A few weeks ago we finished part one, Walk in the Light, and this week we'll look at part two, Walk in the Light. Verse eight, for you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. I want to emphasize the fact that the Apostle Paul makes it known to the Ephesians that you were sometimes what? Darkness. So it's clear that the church of Ephesus at one point in their life lived a life of darkness and were filled with the things that enslaved them, the lust, the sins that uh, simply they practiced without the light of Christ. And uh, living in this state is a state of darkness. Living in sin is a state of darkness. And Paul doesn't uh, simply say that they were once in darkness. Paul states that they were once darkness. And so, again, notice the conjunction as we continue in our introduction. Uh, but now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. So when they heard the gospel message and they came to know the truth of the gospel, light sprung up, if you will, when they believed Christ, the light of glory, the hope of glory, if you will, uh, entered in them by the Spirit of God. And now they have the light of the Lord. Verse 8 points out, their positional standing in Christ. But now are ye light in the Lord? And we see the second part of that is their practical standing, walk as children of light. And so we have our positional standing in Christ, but also we have our practical uh, uh, standing, which we need to live out what we have in Christ. And so, and the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness righteousness and truth. I want you to get that as we move through this sermon this morning, that the fruit of the Spirit of God that lives within us produces all goodness, righteousness and truth. Okay, It's very important as we go through this uh, sermon this morning. So under the section Walking Light, we are looking at four main things. Last two weeks, I mean two weeks ago, we looked at the sanctified walk. And uh, this week we'll look at the submissive walk and the next few weeks we'll look at separated walk and a sobering walk. And so let's look at the first un, uh, uh, and have a, a little review, a sanctified walk. Under this point we drew the contrast, well at least Paul does, between a saint of God uh, that walks in light and those that walk in darkness. He says in verse 3, But fornication, or uncleanness, or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh what? Saints. So again, he uses the word or the term becometh saints to describe the Christian. And what he means by this is that uh, this ungodly behavior that we saw a few weeks ago is not fitting or becoming as a Christian. Saints are sanctified in Christ. Those who have been made holy in Christ through Faith And again, the conjunction says, but now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. And so as we continue uh, this, we're going to focus on the submissive walk this morning. In Ephesians 5 verse 6, let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things, what things? Well, the things that we looked at a few weeks ago, those things that were mentioned. Do you remember that? Uh, cometh the wrath of God upon the children of who? Disobedience. Now, once again, Paul is drawing a contrast here between uh, you know, the children of light and the children of darkness, or we could say the children of disobedience. 
Now, allow me to establish something right from the onset. I want to make it very clear as we get into this message and uh, to understand what Paul is referring to when he calls them the children of disobedience. He's simply not saying that there are the children of God who are living a life of disobedience. He's calling them uh, a child, uh, 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 referring to, now let me say this, we know and understand that children of God can live a disobedient life. Uh, let me just get that out of the way. But what he's referring here is that a group of people that reject Christ uh, live in the vanity of their mind. They're known as the children of disobedience. He's talking to a people that do not have the light. They continue to walk in darkness and disobedience. This is sim similar to what Jesus mentions to a group of people who are not the children of God, they are the children, uh, and not the children of light, but rather they're the children of the darkness and the children of disobedience. Uh, who are they? Well, it's like these religious people who rejected the words and works of Christ in his day. I want you to turn, if you will, to John chapter 8. You know what he calls them? He says this, your father uh, is this, your father is the devil. Now that's a big statement to make. And uh, we want to look at this very closely in John chapter 8 to understand that the children of disobedience are not the children of God who disobey. They're a different class of people, they're a different group of people, and they're called the children of disobedience. And what we're going to see in John chapter 8 and throughout this sermon is that they are known as the child or the children of the devil. Now that's a big thing. It's not a little matter. Now no one would actually say, no, no, I'm not a child of the devil. But in reality, as we're going to see this morning that you're either one or the other. By default, we're the child of iniquity or the devil. We sin, we follow after Satan. This is why we're called to repent and turn and trust Christ. So we are born again and we're going to see that in a moment. So you cannot, like I'm speaking to a man yesterday. He says, uh, I'm an agnostic, you know, sitting on the fence. I said, you know what? The devil will be happy for you to sit on the fence all the way to hell. You're going to have to make a decision which side you're going to be on. It's either God's side or the devil's side and you know the way you live and who you worship and who you follow will simply determine who is your father. You believe that? Because our actions and the fruit of our life will demonstrate uh, you know, uh, the things that we say, uh, the things that we profess. A lot of Christians profess to be Christians, but they don't live after the things of God. Actually, as a matter of fact, many of people today in Christendom live after the things of Lucifer. And so we want to uh, simply make it very clear that there are professing Christians and there are possessing Christians and uh, we are not going to be deceived here this morning. Let no man deceive you, okay? We're not going to be deceived by this fake, phony, counterfeit Christendom today that thinks that you can have a ticket to heaven, that you believe in Jesus like a devil's faith and continue to walk in darkness. It doesn't happen doesn't match up with the scriptures not in any way now we're not talking about I'm just again saying this from the onset we're not talking about the children of God that can fall into sin or slide get that out of the way okay uh, that's another doctrine for another day we're not talking about that today we're talking about the difference between a child of God and the child of the devil the children of light and the children of darkness so let's begin in John chapter 8 verse 31 Jesus makes it clear that those who continue in the word of God are those who follow through, are those that are genuine disciples. Jesus calls them disciples indeed, okay? Look at verse 31. 
Then Jesus said to those Jews uh, which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. So Jesus is simply saying that this is the great, I believe, separator between a professing Christian and a possessing Christian. There's always two types of disciples. Uh, there are those that walk to a certain point and then draw back. Uh, they, the Bible uh, simply says uh, in John 6 verse 66, from that time many of his disciples, two chapters before chapter 8, uh, went back and walked no more with who? With him, Jesus. So there are those that follow Jesus to a certain point. They have perhaps tasted the good word of God but never swallowed. They've never believed with all their heart. And, uh, and therefore, what they do is they, they turn back. They become like an apostate. Uh, you know, they perhaps... And this is, Jesus is actually making it clear. If you are genuine the, to those believers, those Jews, if you are genuine, you will follow through. So there's a, those kind of people and then those people that follow through. Remember what Jesus said to, to, to Peter? Are you going to go back to? And he says, where are we going to go? That's, that's, there's another type of disciple. For you have the words of what? Eternal life. So this is similar to what the, uh, we looked at on Wednesday night in the book of Hebrews. I believe it's worthy to make mention again. In Hebrews th uh, 3 and verse 12, the Hebrew writer says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any, any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while he is caught today, lest any of you be hardened through the what? The deceitfulness of what? So the Hebrew writer is not ignorant of the fact that amongst the brethren and the congregation, there are, one, there are disciples that haven't fully believed. There are among them. There are perhaps brethren in the flesh and his descendants, Hebrews and Jews, but they still haven't crossed, crossed over by faith completely in believing in Christ. And so he says here in verse 14, for we are made partakers of Christ if. What's the condition? If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Now this verse looks like uh, you have to maintain your salvation by endurance, by continuing. That's not saying that at all. It's not advocating for the loss of salvation. And it's not advocating that you have to maintain your salvation by your works. Uh, it's simply saying this. It is simply saying uh, if a person uh, simply follows Christ, or if a person is a partaker of Christ, what will happen to him? He's going to continue. He's going to move on. Exactly what Jesus is simply saying. He's going to continue in his word. He's going to have the confidence of his faith established in his word, and they'll continue. Can they fall, backslide? Yes, they can. But there's a difference between falling and falling away. You, understand? you believe that? There's a difference between the two. Because the one that falls will always be, or happily after the chastening of God or the conviction of the Holy Spirit, surrender back to his heavenly Father. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth everyone in whom he receiveth. But if you do not endure chastening, you are what? Bastards. You are illegitimate what? Children. That's what it means. That's what a bastard is. And so there are those that will just fall away and not continue. They will draw back and I believe this is the distinction that Jesus is, is making. Now, notice verse 32. Jesus gives the key to being free. Amen? In verse 32, he says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth 
shall make you what? Free. Now, it's not miracles that will make a person free. It's not uh, human wisdom that will make a person free. And the reason why I use these two is because the Jews sought out miracles and, and uh, the Gentiles sought human wisdom. Prosperity position doesn't make a person free. It is Jesus Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life that makes a person free. Now you say, well, free from what? Well, as we're going to see, it's free from sin. The deceitfulness of sin. Everything that sin accomplishes like lust, greed, envy, hatred, cheating, selfishness. Uh, you know, all of these things. Notice verse 33. Notice the response of the self-righteous people. They answered him, they answered Jesus, we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Now, it's clearly apparent that Jesus is not talking about them being bondage to another man or them being bondage perhaps to a political figure. Uh, they didn't understand what he was really talking about. Jesus was indicating the reality that they were enslaved by their own sinful passions. Notice verse 34. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Now, Jesus was talking about them being enslaved to their sinful passions. Okay, he's simply saying that those who commit sin or continue to sin or live in sin are a slave to sin. Therefore, you're captive. You need to be free from your sin and sinful passions. And uh, we'll get there toward the end of what he's really talking about in context of what this sinful passion that every, one, every, every man outside of Christ has and needs to be freed from in God through Jesus and by the Holy Spirit transforming that heart that well, they would walk in the newness of life. Now, notice what Jesus continues to say in verse 35. And the servant abideth not in the house forever. But the Son abideth forever. Now, again, he's drawing a, a, a distinction between a servant of sin and the Son of God, capital S, referring to Jesus Christ, who has never sinned. Okay? The second distinction is this, that the servant of sin will never, ever abide in the house forever. Who will? Well, the Son of God. The Holy One of God will be in the house of God Forever, a servant in the house has no security like the son has. Okay? A servant will not abide in the house forever. Why? Because he has no legal right. He's enslaved. He's a slave. He can be cast out or sold. Okay? The house he refers, I believe, to the family of God and the master of the house, which is God the Father. The son who lives in the house forever which is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born of the Holy Spirit of God, has the legitimate right, listen, listen to this, to make the servant free. Isn't that a blessing? That's why God has sent His Son in the world. To seek and save that which is lost and to set the captives free, according to Isaiah 61. Uh, this is what, when He opened the book, uh, in his earthly ministry, this is what he quoted, Isaiah 61, that he came to set the captives free, those that are enslaved by their sin. So Jesus is the Son of God who abides in the house forever because he's the eternal uh, God. And we're going to see that you know, later on again. He said to the Jews, before Abraham was, I am. Is the only one to make a servant of sin free. Thus, 
bringing out the truth that Jesus, who is the sinless one, the Son of God, can make that servant of sin into a child of God. Look at verse 36. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free in what? <laughs> You'll be free indeed. And to be free is not only be free from the penalty of sin, but it's to be freed from the power of sin. That's the whole point of salvation. Again, we have a whole heap of Christendom today that just, we're going to heaven, we're going to heaven. In their position, one thing saying with their mouth, but over here, they're living in the lust of the flesh and they're living in darkness. They don't match. You know, is Jesus simply talking about being freed from just a penalty? Again, as we get closer, we're going to see that he's, he frees them from the very, you know, deceitfulness that lies in the heart of man, of their self-righteousness, and start living in a way that would bring glory to God, because that's what Jesus came to do. He came to make servants of sin into sons of God, and, uh, and that's what salvation is all about. Amen? The Son has been given all authority to both free and favor those who come to him and believe on him and be born into the family of God by the Spirit of God. Have a look at Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many as led by the Spirit of God, they are the what? The sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage, again the fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if, the, and if children, look at this, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Salvation has a lot more than to do with just being freed from the penalty of sin. Look, listen, salvation brings us in a relationship with God the Father and, and, and causes us to be royalty. Now, I don't know about you, but that should change your living. That's what John alludes to the fact that, behold, what manner of love has God bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. And the world doesn't know us because they knew him not. See? Why? Because you're not living. You shouldn't be living like them. There should be that distinction between the child of light and the child of darkness. Now notice verse 37. Jesus says, I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. Now, firstly, Jesus acknowledges the fact that the Jews were the descendants of Abraham. It's a given. And uh, I believe one of the reasons why he says that is simply because I have already mentioned that in verse 13. Remember, they said, we're the seed of Abraham. We, we're not in bondage to any man. Now, that's not the issue at hand, though. Jesus doesn't doubt that. He believes that they're Jews. He believes that they're physically, uh, uh, you know, from the descendants of Abraham. However, let me make this note. Being the descendants of Abraham physically doesn't mean that we're spiritually. Because the Lord always required a circumcision of the heart. See, these people prided in the circumcision of the flesh. And there's a great difference. Look at Deuteronomy verse 10, verse 15. Only the Lord had the light in thy fathers to love them, to choose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your what? We see that even in the Old Testament. And we see Ezekiel even promises that God will give them a, a, you know, a new heart. That's going to be in Christ. 
Okay, so God always wanted the inward spirit of a person to be right with God. Genuine, authentic, pure. And look at this. It says, and be no more stiff-necked. For the Lord your God is God of gods, the Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and terrible, and regardeth not persons or taketh reward. You want to try to use your lineage to say, you know, we are the elite? No, you can't use that. And Jesus is not going to fall for it. Because he always wanted even his own people that he chose to show himself strong to other nations to also believe on God the Father and God the Son and be changed. That's what he wanted. That's he, he always wanted that. Now remember what Jesus said to Nathaniel. In uh, John chapter 1 verse 47, he saw him coming to him and he saith, Behold the Israelite in what? Indeed, who, in whom there is no guile. You know what he was saying about Nathaniel? Hey, this is a true Jew. This is a true Israelite. He, this is how he looks like. There's no guile in him. He's authentic. Mm, he's genuine. He's pure. Listen, by the way, God knows the heart of people. He knows whether you're sincere, you have a heart for God, or you're just putting a show, looking the part, dressing the part. And by the way, that's bonding, bondage in itself. I don't know about you, but living in hypocrisy brings bondage. There's no freedom in hypocrisy. It's actually torture. Living a double life is torture. There's no freedom in that. So he simply points out to him, this is it. He's an Israelite indeed. Uh, and uh, remember what Paul said to the Romans regarding being a true Jew or a genuine Jew, Romans 2 verse 28. For he, for he is not a Jew, which is one what? Okay. Is he a descendant of Abraham? Yes. But what does a true Jew, an Israelite, look like? Neither is he that is circumcision, which is out, outward in the what? Flesh. But look at verse 29. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision in that of the heart, in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men but of who god and if you look at the book of galatians you will notice that there were jews creeping in to try to circumcise people so they can glory in their what flesh this is where we get the famous verse that paul says god forbid that i should glory save in the cross of our lord jesus christ it could be the same thing i'm going to stop here and pause and say to the gentile or to one that's been brought up in a Christian home. Oh, I know about the Bible. I go to church. I have a, you know, I pray every day. I mean, I hear a lot of people say, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior? Would you be going to heaven when you die? I pray every day. You know, they're just religious. But are they walking in the light? As he's in the light? Do they have fellowship with God and the Son? Do they understand what that means? So even Gentile Christian or professing believers that think themselves to be Christians are not true Christians. They're not Christians indeed. I was one for 24 years. I was not a Christian indeed. I wasn't. I was a fake and a phony for 24 years. Not until 21 years ago I realized that and I bowed my head and heart before the Lord. Now remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, 
what we have to understand is that being a physical descendant of Abraham did not mean that they were exempt from the wrath of God to come. Even the Jew had to be born again. They needed to be believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior when their Savior came. Uh, the gospel was to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. And so the Jews weren't exempt from the wrath of God to come. They had to have the circumcision of the heart. They had to be pulled out of darkness and brought into the marvelous light through faith and faith alone. Remember what John the Baptist said to his audience. He said to the, uh, many of uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees that came to his baptism, he called them generation of vipers. He says, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Notice what he is requesting from them. He says, bring forth therefore fruits meet to repentance and think not, think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our what? To our father. For I say unto you that God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. And now also the axe is, is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree bringeth not fruit, good fruit, is hewn down and cast where? There you go. There it is there. You can say that you're the descendants of Abraham all you want, but being a descendant of Abraham doesn't mean that you're exempt from the wrath of God or exempt from repenting and believing on the Son of God whom God sent. A true child of God will produce the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of light in their life. Look at Ephesians again. Ephesians 5 verse 8, For you were sometimes darkness, but ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Look at this. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and what? Truth. Oh yeah, no, we don't need fruit. Who said? Who said? Those people that have never produced fruit and just made a profession and are willing to die on that hill on the profession that they made? Oh, you're now causing people now to uh, you know, do good works to show fruit to prove their salvation. No, fruit will come by the working of God in your life. Don't worry about that. I believe jo uh, James is addressing those people that just had faith with no producing any obedience toward God. They had a devil's faith and he's challenging them. If you really have faith, then it will show. Because faith can be seen. Can't it? It can be. God can see it. People can see it. A city on a hill cannot be hid. It cannot be hid. Ye are the light of the world. And a city on a hill cannot be hid. Uh, look at, even a child is known by his doings, whether they be good or bad. You can't judge me. I believe in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. I believe he rose again. And they a quote a creed. It reminds me when I was a Catholic. We had a creed. We memorized it. I believe in one holy apostolic church. I believe we just kept on going on. Oh, I had to memorize it in Arabic. And every service we said it. Man, you can memorize a creed all you want. You can know the gospel uh, all you want. You can know the books of the Bible all you want. But listen, if you're not born again, all that is for nothing. Nicodemus, you need to be born again. And I guarantee you, whoever was religious, it was Nicodemus. He was a religious man. But even Jesus said to him, you must be born again. Now, 
Notice the second part of verse 37. He says, I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me. Uh, how's that work? Abraham's seed, the one that promised the Messiah that would come to bless all nations by his seed, by his son Isaac, now his descendants want to kill the, the promise of God? How does that make any sense? Well, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense at all. The first time that I can see that they wanted to kill Jesus is when he healed an impotent man who was crippled on the Sabbath day. They wanted to get rid of him. They wanted to kill him. And uh, when we see that in John chapter 5, verse 16, three chapters before, the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. Now, secondly, Jesus exposes the underlining issue to why they want him dead. What was the underlining issue? Look at verse, look at the second part of, of verse uh, 37. But you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. You know what he's saying? Clearly, Jesus is saying that you don't want anything to do with my teaching and preaching. You reject it. You don't want to accept the words of Christ. You bluntly reject the teaching of God like, listen, doesn't say in this passage, but Stephen said it like you did with the prophets. God's prophets were sent to you and you killed them. The Son of God is sent to you and you killed him. You don't want God's word. You pretend you want God's word. You pretend you're for Moses. You'll pretend, you pretend that you're for the law. You pretend you know, you're for Abraham. But you're not. You're not for the truth. And this is what simply Jesus is conveying here. They not only shut their ears, but they actually shut their heart to the truth. Look at verse 38. This is where Jesus begins to severely, like I'm talking about severely confront them. He draws another contrast between his father and their father. Look at verse 38. I speak that which I have seen of my father, and do that which you have and ye do that which you have seen with your father. Now Jesus points out that their father is who? Abraham? No. They don't know that yet. God? No. I, they may be the descendants of Abraham, but they're not the children of Abraham, that's for sure. Uh, so Jesus establishes that from verse 39 to 40. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said unto them, If Abraham, sorry, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. Look at this did not Abraham. Abraham didn't do that. Hey, listen, if they were genuine Jews, they wouldn't have a desire to kill their Messiah. Uh, they wouldn't have a desire to put him to death. And Abraham didn't treat the Lord like that. Abraham wasn't disobedient to the Lord. Abraham was submissive to the will of the Father. As a matter of fact, he was called the friend of God because he obeyed God by what? Faith. Hey, listen, you would have faith like your father Abraham. 
if indeed he was your father, he's not your father. You're not the children of Abraham. No way. This is not the, this is not the, the spirit of Abraham. Abraham will never do what you're doing to me. Abraham even embraced the coming day of the Lord. Look at verse 56 to 58. Your father, uh, Abraham, rejoiced to see my day, and I love it, and he saw it, and he was sad. Did, he, did it say that? No, you're reading the, reading the wrong version. The Bible said he was glad. That, that's the difference. When you saw the Messiah's head teaching and preaching with conviction, you would think, this is him, this is our Savior, or you'd be like... <laughs> Mm. that's the two difference that's the two one detests him one wants to embrace him one's a savior one one is a savior unto life one is a savior unto death this is it you can't have the middle ground abraham was glad when he saw his day and i believe he saw it through the eyes of faith he didn't doubt that god was going to provide himself a lamb he believed the promises of God and he rejoiced and he even saw the promises of a far, a better city because of the Lamb of God. Now, he probably didn't know everything about what he knew, but he knew one thing. Man, the Lord is going to come and he's going to, you know, deliver me and he's going to set me free and I'm anticipating his day. Abraham saw it in the eyes of faith. Look at verse 57. Then the Jews said unto him, Art thou not yet 50 years old? And have thou uh, seen Abraham? You're not even 50 years old. How, have, how did you uh, simply uh, see Abraham? How did Abraham see your day? Like, I don't get it. Well, that's right, because they didn't desire any truth. Uh, the tr not, they didn't have no part of it. In other words, they didn't even know the Old Testament truths. They were blind and deaf. They had no heart. And that's it's like it is today. Honestly, you can preach the truth of God's word. If people don't have a heart to know it or want it, brother, it's like preaching to a stone. It's like preaching to a statue. They don't have a heart. They don't want it. They're stubborn mules. They're like animals. They don't want it. So look at verse 58. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Hey, I, I pre-existed uh, Abraham. I pre-existed Bethlehem, let alone Abraham. I, I pre-existed from eternity past to eternity future. I am. I will always be. He's the, he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Before Abraham was. You know what he's saying? I'm the self-existing one. And this is where they really wanted to kill him. This is when, you know, they really got hostile. But notice verse 41. Jesus makes it clear that their behavior, wanting to kill him, is a result of their true father. Okay? You do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, look at this now, they're saying God's our father. And they still have not picked up on the fact that Jesus is not talking about Abraham or God the father. Okay, look at verse 42. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, naturally you would what? Love me. 
For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Look at verse 47. Why do ye not understand my speech? Why? Even because you cannot hear my what? Word. They can't understand. They can't hear and understand. Who did God make himself known? Who did the Heavenly Father reveal himself to? Hey, Peter, who do, pe who do people say that I am? Well, some say that you are one of the prophets or, you know, uh, Elias or John the Baptist, risen from the dead. Yeah, but Peter, but who do you say that I am? Well, you're the son of God, the son of the living God. Well, blessed art thou, Simon Barjonas, that flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but who? But my Father, which is in who? Heaven. You know why God revealed it to him? Because Peter had a heart to know the truth like Lydia did. And anyone that wants to know the truth, mate, they will be made free. But those that don't want to know the truth won't have a bar of it, closing their ears and their hearts. Why would truth ever be revealed to them? You can preach to your tongue blue. They don't want it. They're goats. They've decided to reject God and his word. They would not come. And, and they're accountable for that, by the way. They would rather follow their father, the devil. Verse 44, we see why these people would not accept the word of Christ. Look at this. This is where we're leading up to. All that introduction to get here. Amen. Now we're starting the sermon. How many times? <laughs> Look at verse 44. This is why they're called the children of disobedience. Look at. Ye are of your father who? Wow. Abraham's not your father. God is not your father. Your father is Lucifer. That's your father. That's your father. The devil is your father. The lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. By the way, that tells us that's not of God. God didn't ordain that, amen? No, 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 no. This came out of Lucifer's heart, not God's heart. God never ordained evil. There is no darkness in light. John says he's full of light and no darkness. Amen? This came purely out of the heart of Lucifer, the, de the devil. Huh? For he is a liar and the father of it. Now, let's break it down. You are your father of the devil. You're not the father of Abraham. You're not the father of God. Your father's the devil. If your father is your devil, then you are the child of the devil. Can we conclude that? Absolutely. You are a child of the devil. Who was the devil? A rebel, disobedient to God's plan. You are the child of the devil. You resemble your father. You are disobedient, just like him. You're a rebel. You're a devil. The devil is your father. That's a heavy. That's heavy. Because you know where they're going to end up. And we're going to look at that in a, in a moment. Uh, this is a phrase Paul gives to Elymas, the sorcerer, in the book of Acts. In, in Acts chapter 13, verse 10. He, he, by the way, this is Elymas the sorcerer was acting like a devil. You know why? Because he was perverting the ways of God. He was hindering a man from getting saved. 
And you know what, you know what Jesus says about that? Better, be, better for a millstone to be hung around your neck and cast into the sea to offend one of these little ones. Look what he calls him. Look what Paul says. Oh, full of subtlety and all mischief, thou child of who? The devil. Thou enemy of all, uh, all righteousness. Will thou not cease to pervert the ways of the Lord? Look at the next part. This is your father's the devil and the lust of your father will do. So not your father simply, uh, like your father, fulfilling his lust, his desire, the devil doing his will. Can you imagine that? Look at verse 44. He was a murderer from the beginning. So right from the beginning, instigated the great rebellion against God. Deceived Eve. You know, put lies, caused them to uh, be tempted to rebel against God, partook of the fruit, the curse of death was upon them. And he's just simply saying, you're just, you just resemble your father, the devil. You're, you're a murderer just like him. You're filled with hatred and envy. Effectively, these people were acting like Cain. And you could say that the first child of Satan that sprung up and showed himself was Cain, who slew his brother Abel. Oh, no, there's no doubt the devil was the instigator of that. I want you, I want you to see this in John, uh, 1 John 3. Whosoever is born of God, we see it again, doth not commit sin. People get hung up on that. They so say, we're never going to sin again? Look, listen, see the context here first and foremost. We're talking about the sin of hatred and murder, wanting to kill like Lucifer. Man, it, 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 does this resemble a child of God? Does a child of God want to kill and murder? No. A, a true child of God doesn't want to live a life of Cain, a life of Lucifer, a life of darkness. Okay? Uh, his, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this is the children of God manifest and the children of who? So you want to know the difference between the children of God and the children of the devil? Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that we heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as who? Cain, who was of that wicked one. Who's the wicked one? He's the children of who? He's the children of the devil. He's not the child of God. Abel lived by faith. Did Cain? No. And so we see here very clearly. And he slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Why? Why did he, why did he kill his brother? Because his own works were, were good. You know, the sacrifice of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord because his own works were evil and his brother righteous and you look up the life of Abel in the book of Genesis in Hebrews 11 and you'll see that Abel believed God he had faith in God he believed God he believed God's word unlike Cain unlike these self-righteous hypocrites look at Verse 44, and he abode not in the truth. He abode not in the truth, and there is no truth in him. You're just like your father the devil. 
who would not stand for truth, departed from the truth, didn't care for the truth, there was no desire for the truth at all. Jude 1.6, the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own what? Habitation. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of himself, for he's a liar and the father of it. You know, the devil is the father of all lies. And you're just like the devil. You're a liar. You're a, you deceive others. You murder. You lie. You cheat. You deceive. You desire to kill the Lord. And you pretend to be spiritual when you're not. So clearly, this is what the children of disobedience look like. This is how it looks like. So what will happen to the people who live like the devil and follow his ways? Well, what happened to the unbelieving Jews in the wilderness? Jude 1.5 says this, I will he says this, I will therefore put you in remembrance that you once knew it, how, the Lord, how that the Lord, having saved people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that what? There you go. Because not everyone that came out of Egypt were believers. Uh, what's going to happen to the fallen angels? Again, look at verse 6 in Jude. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own inhabitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the what? Great day. Mate, there's a great day of judgment. The wrath of God is coming upon those evil angels. What happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities round about them like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are not set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of God in the tribulation. Does it say that? Eternal fire. People are, I, just, I don't want to go for the tribulation. Mate, you don't want to go to hell. When did... Don't miss the tribulation. Don't miss uh, the rapture. Uh, escape the tribulation. Become the gospel. When did it? Mate, there's an eternal fire waiting for the fallen angels. For those that live in, homo, in, 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 in sodomy. Fornication. Look at the false teachers here. What will happen to the false teachers? Verse 4, For there are certain men crept in unawares, who before of old was ordained to this what? Condemnation. You know what they're going to get for their behavior? Condemnation. You know why they're going to be condemned? And you know why they don't want to come into the light? Because they love darkness and they don't want to have their sins exposed so they can repent and believe on the Lord. That's why. That's why. And instead they become enemies of God, turning the grace of God into what? lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest deception in Christendom today, they'll make you think that they're for God when they're not and, uh, and get you to live a life of sin and continue to say, I'm going to heaven. The greatest deception in Christendom, I believe this is the great apostasy that's going to take place. It's already started now. It's already started now. So what will happen to the children of disobedience who reject Jesus Christ as their saviour? Ephesians 5, 6. Let no man deceive you with what? 
You know, I believe, don't, don't let people be like Lucifer in the garden. You know what, Eve? You're not going to die. You're not going to die. Eat, eat. And that's the old serpent, the liar, that has his little workers of iniquity telling Christians, man, tone it down a bit, man. Or telling the person, come on, man, there's no really, God's not going to really send people to an eternal fire. He's not going to judge it. God loves everybody. Doesn't he love everybody? Yes, he does. But there's a consequences for those that reject him. And there's a consequences for, uh, for those that want to continue to live in sin and spit, if you, were, if, if you like, in God's face by rejecting Jesus Christ as their saviour. Look at this. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon who? It's going to come. Like it did in the days of Noah. Like it did in the days of Sodom. It's going to come. Don't you think you're going to escape it? The judgment of God will come and you will stand before Him in that day and He will judge you for every thought, word and deed that you have done, especially if you haven't believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're finished completely. I don't have time to go through the wheat and the tares. But let me paraphrase. The good seed that sprung up are those that are children of God. You go back and see it in Matthew 13, 36 to 43. And that other seed that the devil sowed were the children of the devil, the tares. And the tares are growing up with the wheat. I was in my garden the other day and I was looking at those beautiful, wonderful leaves that were coming out from a little seed. It was remarkable. And all of a sudden, some tears got a hold of them. And I'm trying to pull them apart. Uh-oh. It's going to root it out. Just leave it. Just leave it. Listen, God's going to root it out later on. He's going to send his angels and he's going to throw them in the fire. Just leave it. Hey, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay just leave it. God will fix it up. God will deal with it. Hey, what do you have to focus on? Hey, make sure that you're from the good seed. Make sure you trust Christ as your Savior. Listen, this preaching is not in vain here. Your soul hangs in the balance between heaven and hell. Now, I don't know if you're one of these statues like the Pharisees, but I know one thing that my Bible says, compel them to come in. I beg you and plead with you. Listen, judgment's coming. You're not going to escape it if you reject Christ as your saviour. Now, in closing, Paul is encouraging the church, undoubtedly, to walk as children of light. As Christians and children of God, we do not want to walk in darkness. In other words, we do not want to live committing sin like the heathen, like these Gentiles. Don't live like that. Why? Because these people that live like this, God's judgment's coming upon them. Look, it's not fitting for you as a Christian, as a saint of God. So he's, he's, don't be deceived by them. Don't tone it down. Tone it up. Live holy. Okay? Don't let no one stop you. I believe this is the, the flavor here. 
because we can be deceived by those that don't want to have a heart for God and tone it down, if you will. We see it all the time in families. People want to go on fire. Other people are kind of inferior of it. Want to just see, just Verse 8, he says, For you were sometime darkness, but now. Don't look, you were sometimes like that. Hey, listen, church, you lived like that, but not now. You have the light of the, the Lord. Walk as children of light. So the truth of the matter is, a person is either a child of God, the light, listen, or a child of the devil, darkness. There's no in between. So my question to you today is, are you a child of God? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your saviour? Are you walking in the light as he is in the light? Listen, or are you a child of the devil, walking in darkness? If you're a child of the devil, listen, repent. Amen. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. God never made you to continue to be a child of the devil. He wants you to turn from your wicked ways. And if you are a child of God, walk as a child of God. Walk in the light. If you sin, confess your sins. For he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But don't use that as a go-to card to live like the heathen. Don't do that, Christian, because you can. Be serious about, listen, the wrath of God is coming upon these people. This is why it's important that we understand that a true child of God will have a strong conviction, even after this message, to say, I don't want to live like this. Because if you have no conviction to go out after this message and saying, I want to live in the light, I want to walk with the Lord, I want to fellowship, I don't want to be in, living in darkness like these heathens, I don't, I don't want to be deceived. If you don't have that, you don't care, uh, listen, you might be a child of the devil. Ephesians 4 verse 24, that you put on the new man, which is after God, created in what? Righteousness and true what? Holiness. And look at verse 40, uh, 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one, one or another. You know what that tells me? That Christians can fall into lying, but don't. It shouldn't re resemble you. Later on he says, go and steal no more. Don't, don't speak in a corrupt manner. Listen, don't commit fornication. And all these things, I'm not going to repeat them, but don't live like that. The children of light do not want to continue to live in darkness, period. They do not want to. Can they? Yes, but they don't want to. There's a great despair when they do. There is a great, listen, there's a great despair and an anguish of heart and conviction when they do. Now, in John chapter 8, as we finalise this, you will notice the same audience that Jesus referred to as being the children of the devil, or the, fa or, or the devil being their father, I should say, were the same ones that were ready to throw a stone or throw the stones at the woman caught in adultery. Did you know that? Same audience. And the way Jesus helped diffuse the situation was by exposing the universal sin problem that we all have by saying, he that is without sin among you, let him cast the stone at her. What happened after that? 
Every one of them dropped the stones, didn't they? And when Jesus had mercy upon the woman, caught in adultery, do you remember what he said to her? Do you remember what he said to her? He says, I don't condemn you. Where, where are your condemners? They're gone. Well, I don't condemn you. But you know what? Go and sin some more. Did he say that? No. In other words, he's saying, don't live a life of sin, especially in this particular sin called adul adultery. Hey, listen. I'll say this to these people that think repentance is just from unbelief. He said, go and sin no more. What was her sin problem? Was it unbelief or was it adultery? And why did she commit adultery? Because maybe of her unbelief. But that's the fruit. And you don't want to miss the fruit, man. This is the fruit of me not believing, perhaps, in the law of God. This is where it ends up, if you will. We can't dismiss that. You know what else he said to her? Or at least to them. Look at the next verse. Then he spoke again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth after me shall not walk in what? But in darkness, but shall have the light of life. That's a promise. And, and brethren, this is not only positional because the book or the epistles are also practical. I'm supposed to live out the light that I have in me. The light that Jesus has given us is the grace that we have to say no to sin. No more. I'm done. I'm not a slave to that anymore. I'm free in Christ. Read the book of Romans. Read Romans. And you'll see. In verse 8, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Listen, I'm going to say it again. You're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. You're either a child of light or a child of darkness. And if you're a child of the devil, repent and believe on the Lord. If you're a child of God, walk in the light and go and sin no more with the help of God. The light that is given in you, the grace and the power that comes by the Holy Spirit of God, we can say no to sin and yes to God. Why? Because we're free. What's the opposite? When you say no to God and yes to the devil, you're in bondage. You're not free. And you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to go where he ends up. Where's he, where's he ending up? Where's he going? You're going to join him. And the devil knows that he only has a little time to take as many as he can with him. And you're going to go follow him? You're going to go let the devil, Lucifer, be your father? Come on. Really? Why? Let's be honest. You love your sin. You love your fornication. You love your pornography. You love your drinking. You love all that. You love, 
your sin more than you love God. Call a spade a spade, but don't blame God when you end up in hell. Don't blame God who loved you and gave his son to set you free. Don't blame God. Because on that judgment day, you might be looking at this face reminding you that God gave you every chance to repent and you did not. Is that right? Because who the son sets free, he'll be free indeed. He wants to free you. That's why he came. But the question is, do you want to be free? I hope so today that you do. Let's pray.